The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. It doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. This is not E-Person Monday. This is Listen to You Monday. Every so often, we dispense with the regularly scheduled schedule. That's be scheduled squared. And uh, open it up to calls. People say to me, well, there's only a certain day I can listen, only a certain day I can call in. And every so often, talk to Andrew Kruchek, my producer man. We say, let's uh, let's do a show. We will lay aside the e-persons, although that's rough to do because they stack up fast. They stack up very, very fast. I'm looking at about a quarter inch right now, sitting off to my left. So hopefully, we will get back on track with those next week. But right now, you can call in. 877-573-7825. Yep. Live call-in program. This is not where I take your e-persons and read them and comment on them and make uh, suggestions in between the lines of the e-person. This is where I'm going to make suggestions in between the lines of what you say. So, 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call if you would like to ask a question about uh, yourself or somebody else or a situation. Make a comment. Uh, last uh, program, we had a lot of comments, people calling in because um, certain calls touch off more associations for folks than others. And also, any kind of insight into human condition and life is definitely welcomed. I want to thank all the folks at St. Angela Marici, pronouncing it the Italian way or the uh, way I was taught to pronounce it in Latin when I took Latin in school in uh Missouri City, Texas. What a nice what a nice gathering they had over the weekend. And I appreciate that so very much. And speaking of that, coming up, heading out to Dubuque, Iowa. This Thursday, this Thursday night, you call your local station, talk to Tom or any of the folks there, and they will certainly tell you the details and whereabouts and all of that. So heading to Dubuque uh, Thursday night. Uh, by the way, that was interesting. That was the last presentation I gave nearly four years ago before the COVID response shut everything down. Notice I didn't say before COVID hit. I said before the COVID response shut everything down. That was it for nine months from, well, let's see, I started uh, started doing some speaking with my first book nearly well, 40 years ago, something like that. Yeah, I wrote it in kindergarten. And that was the first time in almost 40 years ago that I went 
nine months, nine months without uh, a single speaking engagement. So that uh, so I'm going to be visiting those folks again. Where's Tom here? Uh, I'm going to put Dubuque here because I want to see if I've got any complete details on that. Usually Tom will give me a call. I'm spelling Dubuque right, I think. Dubuque Latin Mass, Dubuque Latin Mass schedule. Uh, Dubuque. Uh, where is Tom? Uh, there he is. Okay. That is the KCRD event. The last time was March 11th. Whoo. Wow. Okay. So if you want to get a hold of uh, the folks, find out what the details are. KCRD. Number here, 877-573-7825. Some months ago, I was working out on a machine. I was on a machine. And uh, about uh, 10 feet to my left was a guy that was virulently attacking the Catholic Church. From what I can tell, he was a former Catholic, a disgruntled Catholic, a dissenting Catholic. And I... Just was listening a little bit. I mean, he was so loud about it, there was no way I couldn't listen. Talking about how he would never, ever forgive the Catholic Church because his mother was mistreated. And I didn't get the details either by a priest or by the laity where she went. And that was so wretched and awful, what they did to her, that uh, not only would she never, ever return, but he would never return to anybody that awful, that any, any, I guess institution, if you want to use that word, that awful and terrible. Normally, I don't say a word. I'm there to work out with my wife and my brother and my friends. But I turned to him and I said, are you blaming the Catholic Church for what people did wrong? And at that point, he kind of erupted. You don't know what happened. You don't know what they did to my mother, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, are you going? I said, that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. If your mom was mistreated, it was because the people acted against the Catholic Church. Well, forget that. There was no way. That just inflamed him, so I just shut up. My brother gave me a look like, let it go. But that is such a common, common, on top of its head, reversed. I'm trying to find the number of words that I could use to describe how ridiculous it is to turn away from, for example, the Catholic Church or religion, religion, Christianity, because of people who have acted against the principles and the morality taught by the Catholic Church or Christianity toward you. Twenty-some years ago, when the scandal was gathering its momentum, they've done, they did surveys, and the percentage of people who, that's it, I'm leaving the Catholic Church, can't belong to any organization with people in it like that. Even then, I thought to myself, yes, what happened was terrible. It was terribly mishandled. But the bottom line, 
forgive the cliche, was that those priests and anybody else involved in any kind of cover-up was acting against what the church would teach. How can you judge the truth of something by those who act against it? That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I have three people that I know of who got divorced who had wretched marriages. Ah, marriage is just an awful thing. Marriage isn't the awful thing. The people who were in those marriages did things that made the marriage fall apart. Marriage itself, in its principles and in its ideals, is a beautiful thing. For the life of me, I've just never understood what it is about the human condition that says, if you wrong me and you proclaim to be a religious person, then I will turn on the religion. But, 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 but you're wronging me by going against the religion you proclaim I think it goes down to this intractable clutching of the self. It comes down to how dare you act that way toward me? I can't count the number of people when you ask them why they've left the church. will cite some kind of emotional harm they felt some kind of mistreatment, some kind of neglect. I was talking to somebody relatively recently, and she just said that the the women in her Bible study group just didn't seem to have much charity. And she just didn't want to belong to any kind of religion or any kind of faith where these people proclaimed this faith but didn't act it. Now, I suppose maybe, now this is stretching it, But maybe you could make the argument that if, in fact, they proclaim the name Catholic, the name Christian, somewhere in there should be enough grace for them to live closer to the principles taught by the religion, by Christianity, by Catholicism. I suppose you could say that, but it's still a huge leap of irrationality to say because they're not acting like they preach therefore what they preach is awful i don't for the life of me understand that one but it's interesting how many people fall prey to it they truly do now, one might say, well, they're using it as an excuse. They, really, they don't really like the principles anyway. They don't like the morals anyway. So it's easier to say that these people are hypocrites or these people don't treat me right, so therefore I don't want any part of the group that they belong to. I suppose you could use that as a justification. But to say, I left the church, I left religion, I left Christianity, or I left that particular brand of Christianity because of my experience... That makes no sense. Dr. A, you are minimalizing and trivializing 
how man how much it can hurt to be mistreated by people that supposedly say they're holy. I don't think so. There is a statement. The greatest evil can only be done in the name of the greatest good. So, someone who proclaims to be a holy person who or who proclaims to follow teachings that are good and holy and then goes against them i can understand how that would have a higher impact on somebody you would expect it from somebody who doesn't proclaim any morals but somebody who proclaims morals and then acts against those morals you think well that's that is a shocker still doesn't lead to therefore what the religion is teaching is is wrong it's a totally separate issue 8775737825 we are taking calls today this is not e person monday although i'm a little nervous about that because the stack of e persons is piling up and I hate to have to go back too far. I've, I've, I apologize. I always send a note to people and say, okay, I addressed your e-person on such and such. And and they will say, well, I sent it to you three months ago. I try not to get that far behind because by then usually the matter has resolved itself. So 877-57-EQUAL. We're taking live calls today. I'm Dr. Ray. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I told him about the woman who came to me and said her two children hadn't spoken to each other for two years. Their grandma died and she was very wealthy. She left half to each one. She said they're arguing over a commode. She said it's inlaid. Can you imagine being in hell? And somebody saying to you, what are you here for? EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. I'll tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to setonhome.org. That is setonhome.org. This program brought to you by the following nonprofit company. From Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child, what is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere, November 10th. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com.
giving you a remedial psychological education. I was uh, negotiating uh, with uh, Ave and EWTN, co-producers of this program. Uh, I had a I had a demand. Uh, they they've not budged, and I'm I'm a little nervous about how they've been so intransigent about this whole thing. I asked them if they could uh, retitle their network, they the the Catholic Radio Network, and you think okay, but well, Radio R A Y D I O. I they're being stubborn about it, uh, and I don't know why, but uh, I'll I'll keep working on it. Let's go to Andrew from uh, Kansas. Hey, Andrew, what's up? Hey, Dr. Ray, can you hear me okay? You're good. Good. Thank you for having me on. Um, I have a question. My father-in-law struggles with, is struggling with alcohol, and he's had this arise to different degrees throughout his life and was divorced last year and um not a couple hours away, so we don't see him overly frequently, but um, my wife and her sister and myself are planning to go visit him this weekend and address it, and didn't know if you might have any guidance on how to approach the conversation or how to not approach the conversation. Um, hmm. curious or, on your or, or you say how to how to not approach the conversation, or you might want to say how to not have a conversation. Um <laughs> How? What's the history of this alcoholism? How long? So I, I truly think it's something you know, just throughout his life. You know, he's it, it was a source of conflict, you know, with his previous spouse, um, and he's acknowledged it. Um, but it was always more between him and his former spouse. And now that you know she's not involved, it's it seems to have maybe grown to a more concerning level, and um, not something that the children have ever directly addressed with them and so that's kind of the the intent so you're thinking that if the kids weigh in as opposed to this was just uh this was just mom's problem and mom's out of the picture now no this is affecting us too mm-hmm. okay how old is father-in-law uh he'd be 57 and you know we've we've got a couple kids of our own as does the the other child of his so you know, just kind of thinking of approaching it from, uh, you know, the desire of us to have your grandkids, you know, know you growing up and that. Um, Does his alcoholism affect uh, how he interacts with people? Yeah, you know, when he's at the house, um, he'll kind of, you know, be less, you know, he'll go down to the basement for a while and, you know, and he's started visiting less and less, and I think that might be a reason for it. He doesn't want to show up intoxicated. Yeah. Well, one thing you could do, Dad, can't tell you how to live your life, but we can tell you how you living your life is going to affect us, especially the kids. They want to see you. They want a grandpa in their life. And we notice you've been kind of fading away. And we think that's because you don't come to the house because you're not in shape to come to the house. Is that true, Dad? No, that's not it. That's not it at all. I've just been busy. In other words, what you're going to do here, Andrew, 
You're going to try to get a sense of how much he's going to deny it. If he if he starts out with an immediate denial, then you're kind of forced into a position to say, well, Dad, what we'll have to do is if 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 you come in less than sober shape, we got we got to consider the situation with the kids. And we, we we can deal with it when you're not fully functioning, but the kids will get confused. And more than that, the kids need a grandpa they want to spend time with. That's what I. That's what I do. I'd approach it from. We're not going to tell you to stop drinking. We're going to tell you what if your drinking is doing. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend having any resources? That, I mean, just to be able to provide them with, or would you not go that far at this point? <clears throat> I tend to lean. When something has been, has this been a problem for him as long as you can remember? I mean, we're talking all the way back into teens and 20s. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so you're looking at a 40-year-old behavior. Call it the shrink in me, Andrew. But I tend to lean when something's been gone on that long. And he's lost a marriage because of it. And he's threatening to alienate his children because of it. And he's seeing his grandkids less because of it. All of these real-world heavy consequences haven't moved him. So I, I really have minimal confidence that words are going to move him. You know, Dad, we're, we're appealing to you. Okay? I think about the only thing you can do is, is, well, I shouldn't say the only. But one of the things you can do is to let him know. Let him know that we miss seeing you. We suspect it's because you don't feel you're in shape to come over. Or I wouldn't use words like, ah, you're probably too intoxicated, too inebriated to come over, Dad. I wouldn't I wouldn't put him on a defensive. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say, Dad, I know you're trying to protect the kids and we appreciate that. But we're also not seeing you. So we want to tell you the, the picture has broadened, Dad. It's not just you and Mom. It's now the grandkids in the picture. So I guess you can do it from that perspective. In terms of Alcoholics Anonymous or various resources to read, my guess is he's either tried it and quit it or he's not interested. Is that a safe statement? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't. I'm not aware of him intentionally trying anything, but I think it's probably the latter. In his mind, is he a functional alcoholic? In other words, he goes to work. Yeah. He's not been picked up with DUIs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So he would probably deny that it's the problem you think it is. Yeah. And has has that been his history? Uh, he has acknowledged it at times. Um, and has tried to do something about it, but he's, you know, hasn't gone so far, to my knowledge, to try and leverage professional help. Okay. Overall tone, Andrew, I would suggest is, Dad, we care about you. Avoid any kind of whiff of, Dad, you're screwing everything up, you know. You've already kind of lost a marriage. Now now you don't want to lose your grandkids. And I would really diligently try to avoid that. 
I would just focus on, Dad, we really care a lot about you, and we know that Mom's not around anymore, and we don't want you to be alone, and we'd like to spend more time with you, but you gotta, you got to meet us part way. I think that's your best bet. And you being a son-in-law, you better let your wife do more of the talking. Yeah, that's my plan. Yeah, you're smart that way. All right, my friend, good luck to you. Thank you, Doctor. I appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you. 877-573-7825. That's the number to call to get onto the program. You can uh, you can call in. We're taking live calls now. This is not E-Person Monday. For those of you who have habitually figured it is, it's not. So therefore, please give us a call. We have plenty of time left. This is Dr. Ray. Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions, but first of all, we believe that the preborn are a good to be protected. Even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes, we want to eliminate those terrible conditions. But it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves that they are better off dead. Because we know from our own experience that we would choose life and survival over death, no matter how poor our social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Word became flesh to redeem us from our sinful state, the Catechism tells us, and reconcile us to God. We lived in darkness and needed a great light. We were prisoners and we needed to be freed. In such a miserable state, we needed a divine human mediator to descend from heaven. Through Jesus' suffering and death, we learned how much God loved us. For divinity to descend to humanity, and humanity in the poorest circumstances, demanded great love and great sacrifice and great humility. It also gave us a great role model whom we could and should imitate on our life's journey. Jesus is the embodiment of the Beatitudes and the norm of the new law. He commanded us to love one another as I have loved you. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Doing some heavy thinking, burning calories. You know, they talk about a lot of calories are burned in thinking. Lose a few weights. You know, this could be a diet program for you. If you listen hard enough, burn a few calories over time. Not only your IQ going up, but your weight going down. It's a good trade-off. Sandy from Parma, Ohio. You know, Parma has a church called St. Charles. I spoke at St. Charles many years ago, and they told me that St. Charles was the largest parish uh, I think it was outside of New York. Hi, Sandy. Uh, hi. 
I don't think it is anymore, I, though. Probably not. I don't know. Well, you got a great question here. You really do. It's a it's a generic one, and I think I can put your mind at ease on this one. Go ahead. You tell me the question, and I'll tell you the answer. Oh, I didn't know it, this was live. Well, my question is the the fact about being um, a hypocrite. I am I volunteer and do hospice work, and however, I find myself a couple of times in the last maybe six weeks or so, not being very Christian like, like maybe calling someone a name or, or resenting the fact that I want to that that I don't want to give somebody something that you know I I could generously give them. It's a but I don't. I, I have that those awful feelings, and I don't like those thoughts. And if I, if if really thinking really made you lose weight, I should be so skinny. But, <laughs> well, now scrupulosity and, may so not make you is, lose weight. <laughs> well, my question is about the hypocrisy. I I've lived with hypocrisy all of my life. I grew up in a Catholic church. Uh, I had a, a sibling that, that made me feel hypocritical, uh, you know, I mean, all my life. So where does it end, especially the fact that I'm, I'm a decent person? I, I've just realized that in the last maybe five years, and I'm like well, over 65 years old. Well, first of all, Sandy, I can I can really handle this one quickly regarding you being a hypocrite. You are not a hypocrite when you sin, when you are weak, when you fall prey to temptation. That's not being a hypocrite. That's being a sinner like all of us. So that's kind of a perverse good news, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not a hypocrite. Oh, good. I'm just a sinner. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we aren't all hypocrites, but we're all sinners. Now, here's, here's the difference. A hypocrite is a person who preaches something and then deliberately and slyly acts publicly against it. For example, let's say that on this radio program, I try to sound like a wonderful dad. And then I go home and deliberately, with with malintent am just nasty to my wife and kids but my goal is to sound really nice on the radio and I know full well what I'm doing that's a hypocrite on the other hand if I go home and my kids frustrate me and I say things I shouldn't say and I later am sorry and it was a moment of weakness that's not a hypocrite that's just weak so that's okay. a big difference. That is a huge difference. There is a big difference. Well, of course yeah. there is. You've been beating yourself up for being a hypocrite when you're not a hypocrite. You're like the rest of us. You sin. Yeah. Okay. That told you I'd take better. Told you I'd take that off your take that stone off Why your shoulder. Why does it take so long to come to this realization though? <laughs> and to the realization that Jesus loves you and that you know what I mean? I I grew I I, I You know grew why? Because we no, we can't reach beyond our own emotions and understanding. What I mean by that is 
I know that if other people knew exactly who I was in my head, in my ways in secrecy, I know that they would have a hard time liking me. And further, if I knew what they were like, I would have a hard time liking them, loving them. But that's not the way God operates. He's complete love. He's not like us. So we think, well, how, how can he love me? Because we don't understand how he can do that when we can't. Right. Can't love yourself sometimes. Yeah, we don't awful. recognize the infinite difference between us and God. He, no. His nature no. is love. We, we struggle to love because that's our, our fallen nature is not automatically love. On the other hand, he loves unconditionally. That's who he is. So we, we wrestle with, oh, how can God love me? Oh, look what I've done again. Because we're using human measuring stick. That's why. Mm-hmm. We got to take him at his word, Sandy. Even though yeah. we don't feel lovable. We right. take him at his word when he says, as long as you continue to walk toward me as best you can, with the help of my grace, you are in my favor. He God, says it. Well, we got to, yeah, we got to take him at his word. I can't, I can't take his word on the basis of my feelings. Well, I just don't feel like a good person. I, I just feel terrible the way I am sometimes, and I just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, how many times can I sin, and then God is still going to say you're okay? And see, that's that's human thinking. It really is. Yeah. It that's is. not that. That's not. That's not the way God. But that's because we're human. <laughs> well, yeah, but we. We're we not yeah, but, but yeah, but the difference is you don't have to measure God by your emotions. You measure God by His Word, and He says, "I love you as my child unconditionally." That's what He says. Yep. Now that doesn't give you license yeah. to go do what you want. Hey, he's going to love me anyway, and I'll just sin as I wish. No. Oh, right, right. But, but you, what you're saying is, yeah, you, you, you got frustrated with somebody, and you didn't act very nice toward him. Okay. All right. You were wrong, and maybe you apologized, whatever you did. But you recognized that. You didn't say, well, you know what? They deserved it. And I don't care how much I talk Christianity and how much I go volunteer and how much I look holy and I levitate while I pray the rosary in Aramaic above broken glass. You know, that guy deserved it, and he, I'm glad I blasted him. You didn't say that. No, but I do feel that the person um, was kind of not nice to me. Well, that's okay. And, uh, they probably weren't. <laughs> no. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to feel that they weren't nice to you. You can know they weren't nice to you. But where yeah. you feel bad is you weren't nice back. Absolutely. Yeah, and you're thinking. Yeah, and you're thinking to yourself, "I'm a Christian. I should have acted differently." Absolutely. Okay, dear. Thank you for the call. You're not a hypocrite. That's not what a hypocrite is. This is Doctor Ray. Eight seven seven five seven three seventy eight twenty five. This is not E Person Monday. This is Listen to You Monday, and I'm glad to do it. Every so often, we do that. We open up a live show. But I can't do it too often because the emails, e-persons, stack up.
Family Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, that all of a sudden, all of these regulations were put into place. When all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste. Not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected. And yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Rochelle. I must tell you that from what I observe from very young people, all of these blasphemers, all of these mockers are in for a tough time because the devil bites his own tail. And I find among young people a growing reverence and longing for God. I find a decline in the cynicism and skepticism around. Because it had to destroy itself. No one can live on being an enemy of God. It's too crazy. It's too absurd. It's too dark. It's too bleak. God is beautiful. God is holy. Why in the world mock God? The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Appreciate you joining me very much. This is Dr. Ray Grandy program. The doctor is in. Monday through Friday. Normally Monday is e-person, but uh, today is... Listen to you, person. That's just a kind of a clunky, clunky little tag I made up on the spot. Let's go to Angel from Ohio. Hi, Angel. Hi, Doctor. Hi, Doctor Ray. Um, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I um, I had an accident a few weeks ago. I actually veered about six inches off the road and hit a telephone pole steel steel. At 35 miles an hour, and told my car and broke dozens of bones when healing. You broke dozens of bones? Wait, you broke dozens? dozens? Yeah. Eight in my left arm. I crushed my shoulder blade. Oh, Um, how long ago was this? Um, three and a half, four weeks. So you got to still be, you got to still be rehabilitating. You got to be in all kinds of casts and. Immobilizations? No, they. I had so many breaks that the doctor said we're not going to put you in any, any cast because, for example, he told me that if, you know I took my arm and put it in a, in a sling that it could atrophy and keep it moving and you know keep doing everything you can. So I, I basically went home, kept in touch with my orthopedic surgeon like every couple of days, and and my bones are healing. Um, I do have a lot of wounds and stuff that have healed. 
um, from the airbags and um, just lacerations. I, I was a mess. But um, I don't look too bad now. But the point is, is um, I still have a couple wounds that are bad. I, I'm noticing that, like, people talking, like, really, really crazy loud, um, you know, loud music and news, all that stuff. It didn't really bother me before. It's like, oh, my God, I just got to get away. And, and you know, my family's kind of getting mad at me because I don't want to hear a lot of stuff. Is that emotional? Is that physical? Or am I just exhausted? What's going on? You never had it before. No. No, I've never been big on a lot of noise or anything like that, but now things are, like, bothering me a lot more. I mean, like, the noise from the TV, if it's too loud, or, or um, you know, music or whatever. It's just, like, just, you know, I just need to chill because it seems, and, and pain seems much more intense. Like, if I stub my toe, it's like my whole body hurts. <clears throat> I don't know if it's physical. Well, your whole body does hurt, Angel. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, sure. whatever I'm going to say here, you know, is raw speculation. That's all okay. it is. Okay. It would seem to me that when you shock your whole system like that, mm-hmm. you are you are battered. The system oh, yeah. is hyper-stimulated with pain, yeah. with all kinds of things. It, it would seem to me that you're at your load limit. So anything else added to it would be particularly abrasive. Exactly. I I can't I don't even want to sign a check or I just want I said make it fast so I can just rest, you know. It's like everything is just overstimulation. It's crazy. I will I slow down for after a while with this will this manage itself better later? Have you driven since? Yes. Well, that's interesting, because I would think you'd be pretty anxious about driving. Well, um, it's really strange. Um, I had a truck, and I told them it was a brand new truck, and the company brought me a truck that was, um, I know that sounds weird, it was military green, and I was in the military for four years and married to a sniper, and as soon as I saw that truck, I said, take it away, like, now, get it, get it out of here, and they wouldn't. And so I got really overwhelmed and called the company and said, please get this thing out of here. It was, like, days of just, if that car doesn't go, I, I, I'm not going to be able to handle it. And as soon as they got it out of here, I was absolutely fine. But um, it was like some sort of post-traumatic stress, just the color of the Well, color, that's but, what know. some people would probably label it, a, a, a hypersensitive reaction to anything yeah. that would touch upon that very, yeah. very ugly accident. Yeah, exactly. Do yeah. you have enough confidence that eventually this is going to subside? I, I'm forcing myself. I'm cleaning my house. and I'm, I'm trying to do my work, but I'm really being very lax with my work. I mean, I just try to get out of it as quick as I can. I, I, I know it will. I think it will. I, I, I don't want to live like this, being nervous like this. And, um, you know, it seems to be going away somewhat. I drove yesterday and today, and I got the exact same truck that I had before, which I was worried I would feel freakish about. But it, it turned out it was okay, and I actually even went back to the site and tried to discern exactly what happened. And, and I saw how quickly it happened within, like, 
two seconds, and I had gotten a really bad, disturbing phone call like 10 minutes before my nephew had died, who I was very close to, and I thought I was okay. So it was like a number of things were just like ridiculously coming at me when, you know. The body reacts. The body reacts to real or imagined trauma. It does. And all kinds of things kick in. There's a cascade of physiological, neurological, hormonal effects Mm -hmm. that happen. Mm -hmm. And as a result, that spills over into formerly benign situations. So let's say Mm -hmm. you're at a family gathering and everybody's jawing away. And normally, Mm -hmm. seven conversations at the same time never used to bother you. But now it's, Mm -hmm. it's like getting on your nerves. If you can weather that Mm -hmm. for progressively long periods of time, that is probably the best way to Mm -hmm. slowly lessen its power. Mm -hmm. It is. Keep in mind this. Discomfort, which is what you experience when you think you're being overstimulated, is Mm -hmm. not dangerous. You just don't like Mm it. Right. There's the difference. Yeah. You're not going to lose yeah. your mind. You're not going to have okay. a heart attack. You're not right. going to faint. None yeah. of that's going to happen. You just, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it. It makes me anxious. Whatever mm-hmm. feeling you, whatever word you put on the feeling that you have. Okay. So, Great. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're healing up. That's good to hear. <laughs> you guys. All right, Angel. Thank you for helping. Be well. Thank you Be so well. much. Okay. You know, I feel a little, uh, a little uh, ill at ease because you know these days when you when you call somebody angel, in a just a, a very a kind of a warm social sense, you get in trouble. Well, thank you, Angel, but her name's Angel. But there's this kind of like sort of residual social correctness that now hounds all of us because if you use the wrong word, you know, you get in trouble for using the wrong word. How did we ever get to that point where words are defined and if you use the wrong word, for example, I was I was down in uh, Birmingham and there's this one lady behind the uh, counter, uh, Delta's a common carrier I use because I go through Atlanta and then up to Akron, Canada. And I recognize her when I go in and she always calls me baby. She goes, hey, God, good to see you, baby. Now... I like it. Like, cool. <laughs> I don't. I don't look at her and go. I'm not a baby. Although interestingly enough, my little three-year-old granddaughter, I called her baby. This was last time we visited, and she looked at me and said, "I'm not a baby." <laughs> She's already picking up the lingo. All right, this is Doctor Ray. I'll be back in a moment. This program brought to you by the following nonprofit company. From Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Can we? Can we? Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere November 10th. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Can smelling certain scents improve our memories? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. 
When my wife and I had COVID in late 2020, we both lost our sense of taste and smell. In my case, I continued to have issues with my sniffer for a few months. Then I read a study that suggested smelling bold scents could help restore the connection between the nose and the brain. Sure enough, smelling fresh lemons every day seemed to help me recover. No wonder I love the aroma of lemons and incense. Another study, though, indicates that older folks who smelled fragrant essential oils got better sleep and improved memory and thinking. Brain scans confirm they got better. Be careful, though. Some essential oils can be harmful if inhaled over time. Always consult your doctor. Side note, from Genesis 2 to Revelation 18, there are more than 200 references to perfume, odor, and smell. For more on the study, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Boldly going where no brain has gone before. For those of you old enough to remember the original Star Trek. Thank you for joining me here. Only got one more segment left. Tomorrow, uh, good Lord Purdy, we'll, we'll be with you again. Today was a live show, not an e-person. Mary from Dollars Taxes, Guadalupe Radio Network. Been down there a few times to do the TV show. Nice I, I noticed that Mary was not in the audience, and I think other people noticed it too, but I didn't want to say anything to her. Hi, Mary. Well, because I listen on the app, that's why. All right. Well, let's just slide this time. Don't try it again. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my question was something similar to what you were just talking about, which is why it prompted me to call you. But uh, a relative of mine in his early 60s had a liver transplant, And my mom swears that his personality's changed, you know, that he's a little more impatient and whatever. And she feels that it might have something to do with him taking on some of the donor's characteristics. Does that ever happen? No, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that way. It's much more likely that that several potential explanations. One, um... He's frustrated and in pain. He's post-surgery, and he's scared uh, because, oh boy, now I'm on these uh, drugs for the rest of my life, these anti-rejection drugs. Now I'm wondering about my own mortality. So that that, that could be the psychological aspects here. As mm-hmm. far as his reaction to the anesthetic, that's probably long since worn off. I can't know. I'm not a doctor. And, and even doctors would have to say a lot of this is speculation. You can't know. But if she's saying that she's noticing he's a little more a certain way, as opposed mm-hmm. to a dramatic personality change. I mean, this was a guy who who never, ever raised his voice, and now he's screaming at people. All right. It doesn't sound like she's saying that. She's saying no, like he's, a, yeah, he's a little more edgy, a little more impatient, a little more, little more trip switch kind of thing. That could 
probably be explained that he just had a major life event. I got I got a new liver. Yeah. You we know. almost lost him, yeah. Yeah, that's and I think it could be that he's scared. It's like I came that close. I came that close to the edge. I mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm just speculating, Mary, but but I but I think the one thing I can rule out for sure is that because he took on another person's liver probably doesn't mean at all that he's going to get any kind of trickle effect with that other person's personality characteristics. You know, I'm so glad you said that. I mean, I'm not an MD and I'm not uh, a hepatologist, but uh, I've really not heard anything like that in the research where somebody says, oh, yeah, Mo, you take a transplant from somebody else, you're dragging in all their genetics and all their all their personality quirks, and who knows? All of a sudden, you all can right. play the piano, and you never used to be able to play the piano because you got a new lung. Uh, probably right. not. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Mary, thank you for the call, dear. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, bye. All righty. Well, don't have enough time for anything more. A uh, couple more, just a couple more. I, oh, before I forget, yeah, I, I better bring this up again because we want to really beef up those numbers. Wichita. Now, you folks you folks have one of the largest family conferences in the country. And I have been fortunate enough to, to go there and speak there. Uh, but we had sign-ups um, for uh, the TV shows in Wichita for November 15 and 16. We will be, God willing, in Wichita. You have a, a public a radio, not public radio, a public TV station that's very nice, I guess. They've remodeled it, and it's pretty fancy. And it's big enough to hold, I think, 100, 150 people in that audience. And you get an audience of that size, you have one heck of a good time on the TV show. Living Right with Dr. Ray is um, taping the last four episodes of season 13. It's hard to believe. I look back at those uh, those early shows and think, who is who is that? Is that my uh, is that my son? Who was that? If you go to Dr. Ray Wichita Show, D R R A Y Wichita Show.com, you can get all the details. You can sign up. We have uh, two shows an evening. I don't I don't know what time they've actually scheduled those shows. I just pretty much do what I'm told on that stuff. Let me make sure that I have the exact thing that you want to go to here. Searching back, 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 back. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? The area code for Wichita is 316. Okay. That's that. Let me go a little further here. This goes way back. Uh, Wichita. 31630. I guess I will have to let... There it is. 316. It is, yes. D.R. Ray. Boy, am I, I am just dumb. I'm going back further and further. I've only got 20 seconds. Where is it? There it is. D.R. Ray Show, Wichita.com. I knew it. Dr. Ray Show, Wichita.com. For your details on November 15th and 16th, I knew I'd stumble upon it. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 